Hey all, my name is Brian Baird. Welcome to my program called Truth is Truth. The program is a faith-based podcast. I will be discussing biblical truth, biblical faith, biblical faith in politics, and many of my life experiences relating to both, and hopefully experiences of others who are willing to be involved. This will be an evolving life application program that people will be able to apply to their lives every day as it pertains to them. Please join me as we learn the truth together. Thank you, and God bless. Hi all, Brian Baird here again, host of Truth is Truth podcast. Uh, just want to let you know this is uh, my Christmas special for 2020, and uh, I'm in here on a, a Friday morning uh, recording this podcast for my Christmas special, and then uh, I will have my brother, Pastor Brett Baird, on with me this coming Saturday, um, uh, 13th or whenever it is. Uh, and we're going to be going over Luke 21. Uh, but I felt it important uh, before him and I go through Luke 21. Um, he did this a few Sundays ago at a, a church service uh, that I attended at our church. And I felt led to, to have him bring a portion of that to you as part of my Christmas special. But because of that, um, and more than ever before in time, it's vital that we understand why Christ was born and that, uh, what that means for us as believers. And Luke writes a very good account of both. He writes a good account of the Christmas uh, story and in, in Christ's birth, uh, starting with John the Baptist, and then he also does a really, really good job of showing us the end times and the things that will come about prior to the return of Christ uh, for eternity. Uh, so I want to to stay in Luke uh, for both of those, but uh, I just wanted you to know, as if you're out there listening, that um, I'm going to do this special and get it released, and then uh, as soon as that's done on Saturday, my brother and I will rep- record the next uh, podcast to cover the why. Um, the Christmas story is so important uh, to us as believers. So with that said, I know that's a lot of words for a, a lot of boring stuff, but I uh, just want to make sure we get the truth. Uh, let's go into Luke uh, for season one Christmas special 2020. Luke one one, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, uh, note that a declaration is something that you know um, that you tell. Although Luke may not have witnessed all he wrote of, he did take it upon the authority of those who did. And then as his MO was, he researched it all the way through and wrote a very precious account as was Luke's nature. Uh, he was very precise and, and precious in what he wrote. And in Luke one three, he says, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theolo- Theophilus. And understand that Luke um, was ordained. Uh, he was uh, working through the Spirit of God as he says these things. So in Luke 4 he says, thou that, uh, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. The certainty of those things is the claim of authority. And it seems whoever uh, Theophilus was, uh, or he is, he is someone who's, who has heard, who's heard the gospel and is possibly on the fence. This letter to him is to convince him beyond a shadow of a doubt that all that has been preached to him is true. That's my uh, opinion, my take on, on that verse. Um, 
I'm not sure and, and haven't researched who Theophilus is uh, or Theophilus, however you want to say it. Theophilus is probably the more uh, pronounced pronunciation, but uh, that doesn't really matter. It's, it's Luke saying that he wanted him to know the certainty of those things, and that's what Luke's going to give him. And then he goes into the account of, of John the Baptist, uh, which is a miracle, and of course the birth of Christ. And I want you to hear both because they, they relate and they are related. Uh, and, and we'll get more into that as we go. But Luke one five says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Luke is the only one of the four gospel that tells of, of this event with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And I'll not go into the divisions and times of the priest for the sake of time, but the relevance of the divisions and times are important to the story. So an understanding of that might be worth studying for you if you get a chance in the in the, the book of Luke. Study the divisions. All the priests were set up in divisions of time to do uh, their purpose in the temple. And uh, Zacharias was, of course, uh, lighting incense. But anyway, Luke 1, 6. And they were both righteous before God, Elizabeth and Zechariah, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless both righteous before God. They were believers, justified in God's sight. Their parents, being godly people, raised them to have great respect for God and his commandments. From their mouth, they had been followers of God, and they had not strayed from their early teaching. They are esteemed highly by the Lord because of their desires to please him. In Luke 1, 7, And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, in the order of his course, of course, being that division, he was on duty for one of his two annual services in the temple. Um, according uh, In Luke 1, 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And Zechariah was of a priestly family, and his job was to burn incense twice a day in the temple for his period of time, his division. Luke 1, 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, which meant that angel was there for Zechariah. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fell upon him in fear. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And this is John the Baptist, which you... I think everybody's pretty well. If you have any knowledge of the Bible at all, you're aware of who John the Baptist is. In Luke one fourteen, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Listen to this. Many shall rejoice at his birth. Luke one fifteen, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. John is not to get involved with the world at all. He is anointed of God even while he is yet in his mother's womb. And listen, folks, this further proves the sanctity of life even before conception in God's eyes. Listen to what I just said. Listen to what God said. He was anointed even while he is yet in his mother's womb. That per, per, proves further the sanctity of life, even before conception in God's eyes. God knows you before you are in the womb. 
So if we want to go any direction at all, we better go with conception of that life and beginning because really in God's eyes, it's before that. Woe unto them. I'll say it again. Woe unto them that shed innocent blood. We will see the baptism when Mary comes to see Elizabeth while they are both expecting. The Holy Ghost will cause the baby John to leap in the mother's womb. Listen, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit in Christ was in John, and he leapt in his mother's womb. One sixteen, and many of the children of Israel shall be he shall return to the Lord their God. John will be a voice crying in the wilderness that the Lord is coming. Many will believe and be baptized through John. Luke one seventeen, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John would be a voice proclaiming the coming of the Lord. His message was simple, repent and be baptized. John in this was showing their great need for a Savior. He was showing the world the great need for a Savior. 118. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. Luke one twenty, And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. God will not allow this unbelief to spread. He, sta- he strikes Zechariah dumb, unable to speak until the time of the birth. He will not be able to spread his doubt. And with that, I'll tell you right now, and, and when we get into Luke 21, you'll see this even more um, when Pastor and I get together. Be careful how you question God. It's okay to question God. It's okay to ask questions, and it's okay to truly, in your heart, wonder and ask God things. But think first that you're questioning the all-powerful God, and in this case, his representative, Gabriel. He should have chosen his words more wisely. He should have uh, lessened his doubt before speaking to this this, uh, representative of God. All the things remaining in John chapter 1 and beyond were truth and revealed as truth, and John led the way for Jesus to come. And I I wanted to show you this account so as to set up the next account and to show that God does all things for our good and can do all things because he's God. Luke's account of the birth of of Jesus is just as detailed and just as inspired as the amazing account above of John the Baptist, who was the the spirit speaking in the woods into the world of who Christ was. He was the representative sent by God um, to tell us who Jesus was. Uh, There was an announcement that God needed to make. He needed to make sure that those who were prepared, those whose hearts were prepared, uh, would be ready to understand who the Lord was. So then we go on to Luke one twenty six, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This is Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy. 
And this Gabriel was sent to a virgin in 127. It says, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The importance of the virgin birth cannot be overstated. A right view of the uh, incarnation hinges on the truth that Jesus was virgin born. Both Luke and Matthew clearly state that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was conceived. The Holy Spirit wrought the conception through supernatural means. The nature of Christ's conceptions testifies of both his deity and his sinlessness. Christ was God, born of a virgin. He manifests himself in the flesh to become one of us. And the angel came in, in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Gabriel's news to Mary is that God sees how she lives, and he's about to bless her above all the women of her day. And when, he, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. This cast in her mind just means she was questioning in her mind what he meant. She was surprised as his greeting to her. She did not think of herself as being highly favored. So she was questioning, not in the manner that Zechariah questioned his authority. She was questioning why her, what was she that someone else was not. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. She answer, he answers the question. She understands it. Fear not. The same thing Gabriel had said to Zechariah, but Mary believed it. And that's the difference. And in Luke 131, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. The name means Savior, the salvation of Jehovah. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Philippians 2.10 Luke 132, He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. Since a son bears his father's qualities, calling a person someone else's son was a way of signifying equality. Here the angel was telling Mary that her son would be equal to the Most High God. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Jesus reigns over physical Israel, the Jewish nation, and spiritual Israel, the believers in Christ. And that reign is forever. That's how we became involved. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And by saying I know not a man, Mary understood that the angel was speaking of an immediate conception, and, and she and Joseph were still in the midst of a long engagement period, which was actually set up by their parents. Uh, they were chosen to be together. They didn't choose to be together. They did, but they were chosen to be together. Uh, by their parents, and before the actual marriage and consum- consummation of that marriage. Her question was born out of wonder, not doubt, not disbelief. So the angel did not rebuke her as he did Zechariah. And again, when I say, before you question God, understand who you're questioning, that's all she's doing. She understands who she's questioning, but she has questions. She has wonder that in, in her mind, in her heart, in her spirit needs to be answered. Mary was thinking of the physical and not the spiritual. She knows that she has not been with a man, and she knows she's not expecting a baby by a man. So in her mind, she's wondering in wonder how this could be. 
And here's the answer. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. This was a creative act of the Holy Spirit, not the sort of divine human cohabitation sometimes seen in pagan mythology. There's no such thing as that. God is to be the Father of Jesus. Mary is the mother, and God is the Father. Mary furnishes the body, and God provides the Spirit. She was the carrier of God. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's such a beautiful verse. And the Word was made flesh for all salvation of those who will. Luke one thirty six. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Mary must have been related to Elizabeth through her mother, who would have been an Aaronic descent of Aaron. Thus Mary was a descendant of David through her father. And then Luke one thirty seven. For with God nothing shall be impossible. These two will play a great role in Christianity. John is the voice proclaiming the coming of Jesus Christ. His ministry will fade away as Jesus' ministry broadens. God's plan put out to perfection and done. In one thirty eight, and Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Listen to that beautiful, beautiful verse by a young Virgin Mary who knew nothing but know, knowing who God was. Be it, according, be, it, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary was in an extremely embarrassing and difficult position. She was betrothed to Joseph. She faced the stigma of an unwed motherhood. Joseph would obviously have known that the child was not his. But we see here, listen, folks, Mary totally submitted to God knowing that the outcome was worth the consequence. She calls herself a handmaid of the Lord because she is totally his servant and his will is her desire. Sometimes you're put in a position where you have to make a decision that doesn't play well with others. But really in in the all of it, it doesn't matter as long as it is, is what God's will is for you and you're making that decision in God's will through prayer, supplication, and knowing who God is. Don't worry about the consequences because God's got your back. Now, you may suffer some consequences in this world, but when we stand before Jesus, none of that matters. What matters when you stand before Christ is what you did for him. And when we look in his eyes, what we will see is what we didn't do for him, not what we did. And that'll be humbling, folks. Luke one thirty nine and 40. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. 
And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the Spirit of the Holy Ghost that came upon Elizabeth the minute Mary greeted her. The gift of prophecy came upon her, and she began to prophesy of the coming events. Her first statement was a message from God to Mary approving the birth of Christ, of the Christ child, which was soon to be born. And he spake out with a loud voice and said, And she, I'm sorry, Luke one forty two. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me. This expression is not in praise of Mary, but in praise of the child whom she bore. It was a profound expression of Elizabeth's confidence that Mary, Mary's child would be the long-hoped-for Messiah, the one whom even David called Lord in, in Luke 20.44. Elizabeth's grasp and understanding was extraordinary, considering the aura of the mystery that overshadowed all of these events. She greeted Mary not with skepticism, but with joy. She understood the response of the child in her own womb, and she seemed to comprehend the immense importance of the child whom Mary was carrying. All of this must, must be attributed to the illuminating work of the Spirit. Here's, here we see in the prophecy, Elizabeth recognizes Jesus as her Lord even before his birth. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. The babe leaped in the womb for joy. The infant, like his mother, was spirit-filled because he'd already been anointed by God. His response, like that of Elizabeth, was supernaturally prompted by the Spirit of God. This is a God that can do anything that he wants to do. We need to understand we're not dealing with some false God. We're not dealing with some human-made God. We're not dealing with some statue. We're dealing with an all-powerful, one and only, true, living, mighty God. The God that enters us upon our faith and belief that the Bible is true and that what God says in his word is true. We see here that even before his birth, John the Baptist Recognize Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Luke one forty five. And blessed is she that believe, for shall there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Verses forty six through fifty five are a beautiful response to, to Elizabeth's prophecy. Please read them when you have a chance. Uh, but for now, I've got to move on. I want to make sure I get this in, and we understand. So I'm going to go back from 45, I'm going to go to verse 56. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her home. Mary arrived in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so she evidently stayed until John the Baptist was born. And at this point, Mary was still betrothed to Joseph, not yet living in his house. In Luke 2, 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Um, and this taxing was made was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. That's in Luke two two. This is the the beginning to tell of the birth of Jesus. The time is when this tax was begun in the time of Caesar Augustus. It gives us a timeline of Jesus's birth. And it says in two three, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
The place of their birth and tribal origin is where they were going. So wherever they were born, not where they were living, where they were born and of their tribal origin, that's where they went. And it says in 2.4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of, um, of this origin. In Luke 2.5, To be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. This was a trip of 70-plus miles uh, through mountainous terrain, a treacherous journey for Mary close to, to being uh, delivering a baby. Uh, each family was to return to the birthplace to, be, the birthplace to be registered and was taxed from where they were born and not from where they lived. We Christians know that the main reason they had to go to Bethlehem was because it had been prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Mary, Mary was living with Joseph but had never slept with him. She was pregnant by the Holy Ghost of God. Now it's time for her to be delivered. In Luke 2.6, 2, and, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Of course, the manger is a feeding trough for animals, and this is the source of the notion that Christ was born in a stable, um, something nowhere stated in Scripture. Um, ancient tradition held that he was born in a cave, possibly one and used as a shelter for animals, but no actual description of the location is given. As to the inn being full, there were so many people in town to pay their taxes that all the rooms were full. Um, this was all God's plan. We, we have to understand that for the prophecy to be fulfilled. In Luke 2.8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The heavenly host is a band of angels. One of the jobs of the angels is to continually praise God. Jesus is the king of peace. Peace has come to the earth in the form of a babe in a manger. This goodwill is from God to man. God has made a way for a lowly man to be saved. The birth is complete. The story of truth begins for mankind. Mankind sinned against God. God provided a way for mankind to be saved from the eternal separation from God that was to come. The death, this beginning and future for us is why we celebrate the birth of Christ on Christmas. It's very important that the birth of Christ is understood for our salvation as much as it is for us to understand the crucifixion, the crucifixion of our Savior. The blood had to be shed and the death, burial, and resurrection had to be accomplished by Christ, who is God. This is so important for us as we see the world quickly in the direction of evil and worldly self-gratification. And this is going to bring us to the second part of this when I, I go and record Luke 21 with my, my brother, Brett, Pastor Brett Baird. But we have to understand, number one, yes, do we know 
a close date of when Christ was actually born? Yes, we do. Was it December 25th? I don't think so. Um, could it be? Yes, could. Uh, but that's the date that was chosen to celebrate the birth of Christ. And we can go and, and we can argue that and we can um, put facts together about that all day long and probably come up with a, a couple different views and dates, um, but all close. Um, and I, I think um, we can get as close as God wants us to get. And that's as far as we're going to get anyway. But it's not when the birth happened. It's that the birth happened. The birth happened. The salvation was given to this world by the one and only true living God, the creator of all things who created everything that we know, see, and do. He knew what he had to do. And his love, grace, and mercy for us to give us the salvation that we needed to live with him forever. Those of us who will. And that will is not of ours. That faith is not ours. Our faith doesn't come from us or something that we do or we say. That faith comes from God. It's given to us by Jesus Christ himself. That faith that's instilled in our hearts as the Holy Spirit enters our body and lives and dwells within us. Listen, this is real. This is fact. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, of God, the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, enter into our hearts, into our minds, into our bodies, and indwell us and live within us if we truly believe. And that battle rages on. That battle inside of us in our flesh rages on day in, day out. We have to make willful choices to either follow God or follow man every day. It never stops. That's the battle that Paul was talking about, that weary battle that wore him out, that had him pray and say, God, take me, please. But if it be thou will, leave me here to take this punishment. The punishment wasn't the world. It wasn't what Paul was doing. It was living in the sin that he was living in, doing the things that he didn't want to do because of the flesh and not doing the things he knew in his heart he wanted to do because of God. That's something that as a Christian you'll understand. If you don't understand who God is and you don't have that faith, you'll never understand that struggle because you're living for this world, you're living for this sin, you're living in this evil. I'm telling you now, people, you look at what's going on in this world, you look at the direction that this world is going, the majority of the people, the direction they're going is not the direction of God. And I don't care what you say. And as a commissioner, my name's Brian Barrett, and those of you that know me, you know I'm a commissioner, but you know I'm telling the truth regardless. The truth is, is some of this stuff that's happening, some of this stuff that's going on, uh, people being pitted against people, the division that you, you see, this is all planned by these evil people. It's all planned by the government overreach and, and people doing things that they shouldn't do and, and asking other people to do things they shouldn't do. It's for division because that division needs to be there for a choice to be made. 
because there is an Antichrist in this world, and that Antichrist is rearing its ugly head every single day that we live and has been for centuries, for years, since the day of beginning. That evil will continue to battle with good. But the only thing we have as Christians in our faith and our truth, and it is truth, is that God wins. Always has. Always will. There's no doubt about it. Those of us that accept Him will live in eternity with Him. And we will reign with Christ on the right hand side of God. Knowing and loving an awesome, gracious, merciful God with hopefully a lot of people that have the same faith and the same love that we do. And in the scheme of things, as we go into Luke 21 here in the next podcast, that's all that really matters. Love people, forgive them, but tell them the truth. Let's not cave in and let's not say something because it's the right thing to say or it's the thing that won't offend someone. If my faith and my God offends you, get over it. Because I love my God more than anything else. And if that offends you, you need to get over it. Because one day, you will. I pray all of you will accept Christ in your heart. And I pray all of you that are listening to this podcast, please, I hope that God pricks your heart. I hope the Holy Spirit moves in you. And I hope in faith that you accept Christ as your Savior. Because the only thing in the world that scares me is hell. For those people, all people, because I care about people. So I hope this message gets to you. I hope it sinks in, and I hope God uses this message to bring you to his will and to his way and to his grace and to the throne of mercy. Where we're looking into the eyes of Jesus and praising him for the rest of our lives in eternity. God bless you all. And as I say every time, Be of good cheer. Look to the sky. The Lord's coming soon. Love you all. Merry Christmas. God bless.